Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. And today's guest is the founder and CEO of a human resource management consulting firm. She is a self-described talent architect, helping small and mid-sized companies build a high-performance culture and grow their bottom line. She defines culture as an organization's rallying cry, those shared behaviors and values that drive the organization's call to action. With over 20 years of experience in the human resources field, she has worked across a wide range of industries, including biotech, energy, robotic technology, and specialty chemical manufacturing. She's held several senior leadership roles and served as a trusted advisor to business leaders. She's a senior certified human resource professional and serves as the certification chair for the North Carolina Society for Human Resource Management State Council. The Society for Human Resource Management is often referred to as SHRM. She received her undergraduate degree right here in Raleigh, North Carolina from North Carolina State University and a human resource management certification from Duke University. One position that grabbed my attention was when she worked for Progress Energy in 2008, she was the military diversity recruiter. Being former military myself, this caught my eye, and I'm interested in how things have changed in 14 years and how things might have stayed the same with diversity today. Please welcome the CEO and founder of Golston Consulting Group, Tiffany Golston. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Dr. Gary. How are you? I'm terrific. You know, you know, so let's go back in history just for a second to give some foundation of, of this whole human resource journey that you've been on. You got a degree, I think it was in history, which is near and dear to heart, my heart, by the way, because my son got a degree in history, um, which uh, then you launched into a career in human resource management. Why, why HR? What, what got you into that? I always tell people that HR chose me. And if you speak to a lot of HR professionals, it's very similar. It's rare that they go out and say, I want to work in human resources. So I I knew uh, at the age of eight years old that I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a corporate lawyer at that. Uh, I remember looking in one of my mom's magazines and I, I saw a lady that looked like me. She was in a nice suit nice office, $85,000 a year. And she was a corporate lawyer. And I said, that's it. I'm going to do that. And you know, that, that was my journey. So that history from NC state, go pack that history degree was part of the package for my going to law school. That was the Mm -hmm. plan. That was the journey. Okay. So the, you, you got that degree so that you could go into law school, but you decided against it and yeah, yeah. something happened it's, it's in college. Interesting. <laughs> something, ha- well, actually something happened on the way to law school. So I graduated oh. from NC state, paid my way through college. And so I 
joined a staffing company after graduating just to make some extra money. I took the LSAT, which was the law school entry exam, and I was placed at GSK. It was GSK at the time, out in RTP. Yeah, GlaxoSmithKline, yeah. That's it, GlaxoSmithKline. And I was placed in their one of their business units within the human resources department. Mm. So you follow me here. I worked mm. in that department I've always loved business. I always knew I wanted to work in corporate America. And working in that group, I saw how you can use talent and people and how they truly build that foundation of whether a company is going to be successful or unsuccessful Mm -hmm. based on what type of people, what type of performance you get within that organization. And I was sold afterwards. Yeah. So you, you got exposed to something that you hadn't been exposed to before. Right. And it yeah. kind of put some pieces together for you. And, you know, and I think about Jim Collins, great book, Good to Great. He said he talks about this first who, then what? You know, so yeah. that you, you could have written that book, at least that chapter, because it, you realized at that moment it was first who, then what? You've got to have the right people. And that got you into HR and recruiting. Absolutely. It it made a world of a difference. And so, you know, my parents were a little uh, shocked. (laughs) But after that assignment, you know, I knew that was my career path. And so I started along. I uh, was fortunate to actually work with the lady who placed me. So I worked with, um, she was a black female. I'm going to say her name, Rita Bogier, because she really gave me my start. I was working out at GSK on an assignment through her agency, Bozier Consulting, and mm. she brought me in-house to work as part of her staff. And so therefore I took on the GSK account and it just changed things for me from that standpoint, just watching her, how she worked as a businesswoman and as an entrepreneur to grow her business taught me a lot. Yeah. So she, she became a mentor to you. Absolutely. And, and, and kind of probably guided you and helped you. And, you know, it's funny when we talked before, we talked about a different mentor, that uh, I'm, I'm. Many people are familiar with to Luke Skywalker, which is uh, Yoda yeah. was a mentor to Luke. You know, we talk about leadership and Star Wars. You and I had this conversation, right, talking about uh, <laughs> you know what is leadership and and who provides that kind of leadership. And oftentimes, just like Yoda saw in Luke Skywalker, the the force, the talent, right. A lot of people don't even mm-hmm. see it in themselves. And my guess is is that this mentor saw things in you that you didn't even see in yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, we talked about, so I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I, I always equate Yoda and Luke to leadership, to the manager mm-hmm. and the employee. And I remember us talking about it. You know, the, the manager sees themselves as being Luke, but you're not. Luke is the hero. And, and the hero, if you, you think about any great story, the hero is flawed. Right. And, and they've, they've got some big task in front of them that they have to they have to battle and they have to overcome and succeed. And then they get to the other side. But they don't do that without their Yoda, without that mm-hmm. guide. And, mm-hmm. and that's what a leader and a true leader and manager has to be. They are the guide to the employee. You're not the hero. And so Retha was my Yoda. I was flawed. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what human resources was. I. I knew I understood and and liked business, and I I really enjoyed working with the talent we had at GSK and wanted to know what they wanted to do with their careers and how they could add value to that business. And she really helped me connect the pieces, right, to to being a true leader and business owner and trying to do that through making a profit by servicing your customer. And 
that has followed me along my entire career journey. And it's really helping me now owning my own consulting business. I really take what she taught me to heart. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's go back and look at this uh, process. I'm an engineer, so I like process. You know, I like to look at steps, right? You, you, you get a degree, you've got a plan. The plan changes because your eyes are opened up to a whole new thing with HR. But within HR, I often talk about this within HR, within human resource management, you have generalists and you have specialists. Yeah. Generalists tend to go to work for smaller companies because they've got to be a jack of all trades and do all kinds of things. With bigger companies, you tend to get specialists. They go into the areas of, of recruiting or people development or benefits or, you know, other areas of, of human resource management, right? So wh- what was your path? Cause you're, you're working on leadership and people development now, but were, were you a specialist back then or did you, were you always focused on the, the human side of development? I was a specialist. And I I always, when I talk to HR professionals who are really just starting out in their careers, I highly encourage them to learn every specialty area of human resources, Mm -hmm. even the things that you don't like. I I will never forget, I was working with ABB and I remember talking to the global head of HR and he said, so what do you enjoy? What's your favorite aspect of human resources? And at that time, I said recruitment. Oh, you get out and you you represent the company, you sell the company, and you you reach the talent. He said, "Yeah, but let's think about why do people work." So yeah, they enjoy working for the organization. They like the prestige, but you can't recruit anyone without a strong benefits and compensations package, right? And I thought about that. I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. So I need to understand that aspect as well. Because when I'm selling the company, well, what they're going to make from a compensation standpoint and their benefits, how they're going to take care of their families and themselves, those are huge aspects. So I, I always go back to telling folks who are just starting out in their careers, learn every aspect. So I've touched every aspect of human resources. And I did. I started out as a specialist, as a recruiter with Progress Energy when I joined them. And I worked in roles that did not exist until I got into those roles and helped to grow them. And it really helped me to grow to understand all aspects, not only of human resources, but of the company. Because any great HR expert has to understand the business as a whole that they're supporting. It's critical. So here, here's my thought about, you know, recruiting. Okay. When we're recruiting people, you have to have competitive benefits. You have to have competitive compensation and you have to have a promise that kind of excites people about what the opportunity is when they're coming into a new company. There's some kind of a promise, right? A brand. Mm -hmm. And then once you get inside, you find out what the truth is. And the truth is never the same as the promise, but that's the culture, right? And it's the culture that keeps them or, or chews them up and spits them out. Absolutely. So how do you, you know, what, what's your, your experience been with that recruiting and cultural kind of alignment with organizations and what you've seen companies that do that well, and maybe mm-hmm. companies that haven't done that well without mentioning names of companies. I don't want to go into that, Absolutely. but they promise everything and they give them nothing, you know, kind of a thing. And, and, and we see how that just chews people up. I'm sure you've seen that mm-hmm. in your career. I have. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to to see it done well and, and see it not done so well. And mm. a lot of times when it's not done so well, it's it's not intentional. The, I think the the intent, the good intention is there. A lot of times it's just the lack of focus, the lack of staffing um, in, in the departments where you need it. And 
really the lack of guidance. You know, that's a specialty area, really growing, developing, shaping your culture. Who within your organization is really specialized to help you do that? I would say you don't really have that in-house. And sometimes you need to bring that in from a consultant, from some other agency that specializes in that area. Culture, as you know, is important. It's vital. I recently wrote a blog around culture is a bottom line issue. And I see so many organizations just throw their money out the window because you put so much money and resources into recruiting top talent. You get them on board and you lose them within a year. I've seen organizations lose that talent within a year. And so you just threw all of your money out of the window and you have a person who could be a strong ambassador for your organization. They're now out telling other people, "Mm -mm, wouldn't go there if I were you. They don't take care of their people. They don't care about their people. And that's what culture is. Yeah, which over time diminishes everything, doesn't it? I mean, over Absolutely. time, it destroys the company. And we, we know from research that losing someone is between 1.5 to 4.5 times their salary. The higher they are in Think the organization. Oh, yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. You hire somebody for 100. Look, let's put this in the numbers. You hire somebody for $100,000. And after 14 months, they quit. Okay, finding another person replacing them is going to cost you somewhere between one hundred and fifty and four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, though depending on the level and the importance in the organization. Who can afford that? When you look at turnover, I don't understand how, how companies can afford it. It destroys them. But you made a really good point, and I want to I want to highlight this. They're doing it unintentionally, and here's what my my belief is. And let me ask what your experience has been. They're doing it unintentionally, not because they. They are consciously making a decision to not do it or to do it or not do it. It's because they have no clue as to how to do it. That's it. No clue. It's it's the how. You have to understand the how. And and let's let's talk business. Think about how you go out to attract your customer. I always tell my clients, you see your employees in the same manner that you see your customer. You got to have both. Mm. You got to have both. And you're not going to go out and half-heartedly try to seek business from a customer. You're going to give them the red carpet, not only when you're courting them and trying to get their business, but when you get that account and you want to maintain it and grow it. You use that same prospect with your employees. They're just as important, but they're from. let's look at it from a, a dollar's sense, right? It's, it takes just as much money and investment and keeping and retaining and developing that employee as it does in recruiting and keeping and retaining that customer. So look at it through that lens. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, research shows that I, I remember reading some research years ago where companies that were solely focused on customer service and customer experience, there was no correlation between success in those companies in their mission statement and saying we're about customers and everything that didn't also have a commitment to their employees, to your point. If they left the, if they left the employees out of the mission statement and leave them out of the process, they failed. And a lot of the work that we do in leadership, we talk about it being inside out. It starts with me first. I've got to understand what, what I stand for, what my belief systems are, what my values are and how I can show up as the best possible leader of myself. Once I do that, then I can work with the employees. Once we do that, then we can work with the customers. It's got to be inside out. If it doesn't, if it's not focused from the inside out, it's not going to work. And to your point about the culture, 
is is unintentionally creating a culture. Well, here, here's the thing. The culture is going to be created. There you go. Every organization has a culture. Whether you do it intentionally or not. Right. Right. Whether you That's want it. it to be or not. As a leader, you have to decide what kind of culture do you want. It starts with mission and values. What are your mission and values? And what are you going to do about it? So I think the challenge is a lot of companies say, oh, we have values. What are you doing to support, reinforce, and talk about the behaviors that connect to the values every single day? What are you doing? And a lot of, I get blank stares. Do you? There you go. Because it it does have to be intentional. And the same way that you have your salespeople who are calling their customers and checking in on them, you've got to have the same resources that are checking in on their employees and seeing how they are doing. And it starts with the manager. I put a lot of pressure on people managers because in, in my viewpoint, they hold just as much, their role is just as important as that CEO's. A manager can make or break your organization because they really play the role around your team's morale, your team's productivity, your team's innovation, or your team's decline. Well, okay. I I love when you bring these points up because it lets me throw some numbers out. All right. Sales teams. (laughs) All right. Sales teams. Effectively managed sales teams versus ineffectively managed and led sales teams. The manager has a plus or minus 25% impact on the sales of the team. That's a 50% swing, 50%. So you have an ineffective sales manager, they're 25% below goal. You have a really good sales manager, they're 25% above goal. You know, which one do you want? Duh. <laughs> this, it's it's, it's data. Simple. Use the data. Use the data. All right. So I, I don't want to lose this point because, you know, I mentioned it early on. You've had a lot of experience over over history with uh, with diversity, and you had a role of military and uh, diversity in uh, NHR at Progress Energy. Fourteen years ago, you did this. Yeah. Fourteen years ago. Yeah. What's changed today? What's stayed the same? Are we making progress? Which you know, with Progress Energy, not necessarily, but it's kind of a play on words here. Are we making progress today with diversity? And, and specifically, I'd, I'd like to hear what you did with the military because uh, it's near and dear to my heart. So wherever you'd like to start that, that right. answer, I asked five questions. So, Oh, boy. You know, I, I smile when I hear that, when you take me back to that time, though, because at the time that progress really placed a focus, and I'm going to say intentional focus on, at that time, it was d It was diversity and inclusion. We were pioneers. In that space, mm. as a s- southern-based electric utility, think yeah. about that. Focusing right. on diversity and inclusion, we were pioneers, and it, we were led. We at that time, Bob McGee, uh, rest in peace. He was our CEO, and he was intentional. He was an intentional leader, and he practiced what he preached, and he put that message down from his leadership, and it trickled throughout the organization. And as a result. We created, I was the first, a military recruiter, and that spun into a military slash diversity recruiter at that time. And let me tell you, uh, I grew up in eastern North Carolina. I'm a farm girl from eastern North Carolina. And so I grew up around military bases. And so at that time, I had no family in the military, but I understood, I'll say understood a lot of the culture 
And so I, I went to the military bases. I formed relationships with the military personnel, uh, with the instructors that were helping military personnel transition out of the military. And we were very strategic about the military bases that we, we went to along the Southeast. And we sold the message. I sold the company. You know, I went out and really talked about these are great career opportunities. And we want you because you're so specialized in so many areas and many of you are just great leaders. Hmm. You don't mind moving around the country. You've done that before. You don't mind the long hours sometimes because that's, you know, with these types of roles, sometimes they're long hours and you're dedicated. And so we really were intentional around it. I, you know, had relationships with a lot of military magazines. We made some of the top 20 lists in that area at that time. And so it really helped to set the stage. And I'm proud now. So progress isn't around anymore. They're now part of Duke Energy. But even seeing now that Duke Energy still has that focus around military recruiting, um, it makes me proud because I know where that came from and how that came about and, and the journey we went through to be impactful in that area. Yeah, what a what a great positive on both ends because you're getting great people from for Progress Energy, and I can imagine some of these young people that have technical not degrees technical skills coming out of the military yeah. that you could use right, and they're probably wondering what the heck am I going to do? You know, I really don't want to stay in the army. I don't want to stay in the navy. Whatever <laughs> position they're in, I just got to get out. Maybe I've got four to eight years of of uh, training with the military, but it's just not the life for me. And here's, here's Tiffany showing up saying, look, we've got an opportunity in kind of an, and in a very stable organization yes. where they could provide well for their family with great benefits and all this stuff. It had to be pretty satisfying for both sides. It was. It was. And, and that's why recruiting has always been so near and dear to my heart. Mm. But you have to represent really you really have to represent what the, the company encompasses. And, and you said it. They are great career opportunities where you can take care of your family and you can continue the next phase of your career. Right. So using those those skills, transfer those skills over here and just add more value to the communities because you're you're serving these communities where we live. And it, it was it was very impactful. We helped a lot of people continue their career journey through that initiative. So, you know, when I, when I think about, when I think about this thing about leadership and, and culture and we talk about first who, then what, it, it, it's really kind of a duh. You know, I, I think of this all the time. It's like how important it is to get the right people. I hear this from my clients all the time. And yeah. once you, once you get them, what are you doing to keep them? You know, which is you've, you've insinuated that multiple times today. Yes. So what are you doing now? What do you, with all of this experience, you've 20 years of, of human resource experience and, and a lot of different roles that, you know, I'm looking at your resume and you've got all these different roles, two years here, one year there, sometimes with the same company, sometimes with different companies, you've got all this experience and you started your own firm. What are you doing to help companies today? What, what's, what's your focus and how are you helping them out? Yeah, I help organizations to really shape, I call it build, but it's really shaping their culture. Mm -hmm. And in that, I mean, what do you, you think about any, I talked about, I, I describe myself as a talent architect. When you think about any architect, before they design anything, any structure, any building, they want to find out what's the purpose, what is going to be the use of this structure of this building. And I do, that's where my starting point with my clients is 
let's talk about where do you want to be? What's your end game? Where do you want to be? I know you want to provide quality service, quality product to your customer. Why? What do you want to accomplish out of that? Why do you want to go into this new market? And and I get a lot of stares because they don't expect this from human resources, right? They want to start with the people. This is my immediate need. But what they, they have to understand is your foundation, your purpose has to come first before we want to bring anybody into your organization, because that's what you're selling. You know, how are you going to help to grow this person's career And in return, they help you in providing that great service or that great product to your customer. So that's why I start. I I have my I call it my career blueprint, you know, talent blueprint, because we start with the blueprint of what's your purpose? What do you want to achieve? If you look at a, a well global established organization who has lots of market share, right, but they're looking to enter a new market their blueprint will look very different from a small startup that's in the high growth phase. And, you know, they're looking now to really get rocking and rolling in this area and and want to bring in and and recruit a lot of talent. So it's not a one size fits all. These two organizations who both want to be profitable, want to provide a great service or product will have different blueprints and how they do that and the type of people that they recruit into their organizations. And I, I think that is very key. Organizations, I just want talent. I just want, I want the person to do this job description. No, what's your business strategy? Because that business strategy will help you determine what type of person, what profile, I call it your candidate profile, what profile a person can be successful in that role. That's why you see a lot of high turnover because businesses don't think about this. They think about the job description which tells you something, right? It's a data point, but they have no idea about what profile of a person that they need to be successful in that role and that business unit to lead those people. Yeah. So the connection between the why, you know, the core of the business, the why and, and, and what they're delivering and the connection between those is, is the how, how are we going to go about doing this? We want to hire the right people. But what I what I love about what you're saying is the connection between that for the human being is creating this profile. And yes. I think that that's a, a huge missing step for a lot of people. They look at they they look at trying to connect a resume to a job role and say, OK, this this resume and what this person's been doing in this job role and and, and what they did. Uh, they, there's a match. So that's the what. Well, that's fine. You know, we want to have the competencies there. We want to have the, the, the but what about the, 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 the driving force of the culture of the organization. Are they a connection with our why? Are they a connection with our That's values? It. Are they, so the profile that you, you actually step back. And uh, I, I really like this because it goes back to uh, habit two of the seven habits of highly effective people. It's beginning with the end in mind, the end in you mind must. of the person, right. That we're trying to hire yes. is to create a, a very detailed profile of not just their experience and their competencies, but their, their values, the way of interacting with people, their communication skills, you know, some of those skill sets that are there, but really understanding the human being. You know, when I think of, you know, if something is as extreme as uh, Enron, you know, when they were hiring people, we want to we want to hire crooks. You know, we want people that have no moral values at all. It's just about making money. That's what we want to hire. They did a great job of that until they exploded, you know, but, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter what your culture is. You're going to attract people eventually and keep people 
based on the culture that you have. And you're That's talking it. about doing it intentionally. It has to be. I equate it, believe it or not, I equate it to finding the right mate. Mm. Think about if you're trying to find the right mate, the, the right person for yourself. The person's dating history can be equated to your candidate's resume. It tells you something about them, right? It's a mm. data point. But their dating history doesn't necessarily tell you about their core, about who they are as a human being. Mm. Learning them courting them, getting to know more about them tells you more about who they are and whether their values align with yours. Now, companies don't have the amount of time that you do in dating, but you do have a profile. If you can learn more about the, the individual's candidate profile, and I also do a company's profile, and this is why, because your company profile outlines who you are as an organization, what you stand for, what your purpose is, and you only want people to join your organization who buy in and who align to your values and your purpose. And when you, you I, so I help organizations to make that connection, finding the right candidate that aligns with their company profile. And it actually helps to take out a lot of the bias that you see in the recruitment process and the interviewing process. Because I don't care what you look for, look like or sound like or where you're from. If you've got the potential and your profile really aligns up to our values and where we're looking to go from a company to our strategy, I want you. Mm. And even if yeah. I don't have a position today, right, if it aligns with where we're trying to get, I want you because you're going to help us get there eventually. When you try to align people's values to the, to the company the strength of that, that, that foundational set of values is so powerful that I, I have clients that do that. And even in the role that they hire them for, sometimes they find out it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. They don't fire them. They try to find another role. There you go. There and you maybe go. it might be the third or fourth role. And eventually they go, well, you know, you've been here four years. We really haven't found anything for you. And, and they do, they will literally be there for two to four years. But they're trying to find because it's so hard to find the right fit between the it company is. profile and the individual profile. But it's worth I want to I want to share with you an experience that I had when I was coming out of the army and I was interviewed by Procter and Gamble. And I understand I, I think they still do it this way. So uh, spoiler alert for people that are going to Procter and Gamble and being hired. I went to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I spent two days there and I was going through the plants. I was uh, interviewing. I interviewed about seven with seven or eight different people, you know, had dinner, did the whole thing. What I didn't know was the person that was my sponsor, my peer sponsor, was also part of that decision team. That decision team were brought together at about three o'clock in the afternoon when I was going back to the airport and they sit down for an hour and they assess Gary McGrath. They assess the candidate. In that assessment, it's a very simple assessment. Would you hire this person? And they used what I call, what they call the yeah, but hiring policy. Well, I, I'd hire Gary, but I have a concern. You're out. If any one of the seven or eight people you interviewed with say, yeah, but you're out. I have to tell you, Tiffany, Thank God I didn't know that going into the interviewing process because mm -hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I did go to work for Procter and Gamble, but knowing that would have put me under, I would be like, if anybody says, yeah, but anybody you're out because there's a concern. There's a gut level concern about that individual. So to your point about dating, 
there's a way to do the dating in a compressed way with multiple people yeah. in multiple situations and multiple scenarios that allows you to get a lot more information about the person and whether you think there's a fit with that profile or not. So I, I love the work that you're doing and how you're going about this. And, and what it made me think of is how the fundamentals of this never get old. This makes so much sense. Company profile, individual profile, make a match. It's a fundamental that every company should have. Yes. Yes. Right? But it takes time. It takes time. And it goes back to our earlier point on, do you have the specialized skills in-house who focus only on making that match? Mm-hmm. And you don't. You And you don't. And it's, you know, it's not intentional. Especially small and mid-sized companies, right? Especially with those companies. They don't have Absolutely. your 20 or 30 years of experience. And that's why, you know, that's why they hire you. Gosh, if they hire one person and keep that person and reduce turnover, they've more than paid for you. I mean, it's really Absolutely. kind of a no-brainer. So, so Tiffany, I want to finish up. I want to finish up today. This has been really a great conversation about a lot of things from Star Wars to, you know, your experience and, and all that stuff. It's you know, great stuff. But I ask everybody the same question at the end of my conversations with them on the podcast. And here's the question. If you could write Tiffany a letter and send it back to yourself 20 years ago, what advice would you give Tiffany? I would tell Tiffany to take more time to smell the roses. Mm. I've I've just always had a plan, been driven, had a pretty good idea of where I wanted to go along my career and took very little time to smell the roses. And, you know, one thing that came out of COVID, I know we're still going through the pandemic, but it it forced me to slow down to get outside, <laughs> listen to the birds chirp, spend more time with my, my, my child and my husband. And I was able to spend more time just smelling the roses. And mm-hmm. I've been able to, to keep that with me now getting back full fledged into um, back into the workspace and now, you know, launching my own business. It, it's great to have the experience, right? The 20 plus years. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. But Dr. Gary, you know how things change immediately. Blink of an eye, the workplace, the workforce, it changes. And we've seen those changes even come through through COVID. So slow down, smell the roses more, and then get back to work. And get back to work, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, it's a good mantra for a lot of people that are high performers. We get so focused on, first of all, the work that we do and just doing the work because yeah. we enjoy doing yeah. the work, accomplishing something over time. You see the accomplishment. Okay, great. Now let's get... Let's keep moving. Let's keep going. I mean, I don't think of any of the things that I've accomplished as being a big deal. I mean, I just don't think of it as a big deal. Having my own business for 14 years, having a doctorate, writing a couple of books. It's like not a big deal. It's just, it's just part of the, it's part of the process. And I think that to your point, every so often we should just sit on the back porch, maybe with a glass of wine or a beer, sitting there with our family and just listen to the silence. Yes. Just enjoy the silence and say life is good. And, and I keep telling my clients, being flexible isn't good enough anymore. You have to be fluid. Mm-hmm. Must. And be fluid with life. It's the only way you're going to survive. Yes, it is. It is, is to be fluid and to keep, to keep learning. In order to be fluid, in order to be able to adjust to the things that are happening in our world, you have to keep learning. Yeah. You'll, otherwise, you'll be left behind. So. 
Tiffany Golston, I really appreciate your time, your thoughts, your wisdom today. This has been really great. Thanks for being a guest on my show. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thanks again for listening to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care, be well, and be great. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit petercats.com. <laughs>